Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. This episode originally started out as a five-minute Friday, and I'm just going to keep the original introduction in there, but I wanted to put a different intro on it because I believe in truth in advertising. I didn't want you clicking on this thinking that it was going to be five minutes or my usual ten minutes long, so here it is. Well, friend, welcome into this five-minute Friday. Now, I don't know what the temperature is like where you are in the world, but here in Fort Worth, it's over 100 degrees or 40 degrees Celsius. It's hot. And, you know, frankly, I think it's the humidity because a few days ago, it was actually 105 degrees. It actually felt cooler than it does today. And you might ask, isn't it always hot in Texas? Well, not always. Right now at this point in the year, it's about 10 degrees warmer than it typically is. It's usually in the 90s, maybe the high 90s. But... (laughs) We're ahead of the game. Suffice it to say that I'm happy today to be sitting in the air conditioning, talking to you, having a conversation with you. And speaking of conversations, today I want to talk about or introduce you to the distinction of mental models or perceptual frame. I prefer the term perceptual frame. A lot of people in the marketplace talk about these as mental models, and you can Google mental models and come up with about a hundred different ones. Well, next week, I'm going to do a deep dive and talk about the, the probably the most effective five to ten mental models or perceptual frames that you could adopt to process information through. So what is a perceptual frame or a mental model? So I'm just going to say perceptual frame from here on out. But essentially, it's a way of setting the context of defining how you're going to process information. If you think of a picture frame, How we frame a situation determines how that picture will look. Another way of thinking about it is a lens by which you filter information through. And I understand this might sound a little convoluted, but as I talk about it, you'll get the idea. I'm sure you are. In fact, I've been talking about perceptual frames since I began this podcast. I've introduced you to a number of perceptual frames, I just haven't called them perceptual frames. I haven't called them by their name. And today I'm going to talk about one specific perceptual frame that makes a difference in how you process information. will totally change how you think about the world. Now, before I get there, you might be wondering, Daniel, didn't you say a couple days ago or a couple episodes ago that you were going to do a whole series on manifesting, like Manifesting 101? Well, I am still doing that series. I'm working on putting it together. I want want it to be somewhat cohesive. So I'm taking some of the questions that you guys have tendered to me, taking my own notes, my own perceptions that I've gathered over the years, and that will be coming very, very soon. I'm thinking there's going to be at least a half a dozen episodes in this series. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. And the reason I'm doing it, in case you didn't hear about the previous one, previous episode, I'm doing it because there is a few thousand of you listeners now. And I understand that everyone's coming from the topic, the perspective of manifesting law of attraction from different beginnings, different sources. 
And I just wanted to level the playing field. So we're all kind of in the same conversation, at least my conversation, (laughs) if you're going to be listening to me. That way, there's some reference to what I mean and how I'm talking about things. Because manifesting, creating your reality, creating who you are for the world, is why you're here on the planet. I believe it's the purpose of life. We are a spiritual being immersed in the human experience, and we're here to define how we want our world to be, actually create our world from the inside out. Now, most people don't do that. But this whole aspect of manifesting and how we create reality, how we create ourselves, the things that we're aware of, is what this podcast is all about. And that is, how do we get the most from this play of consciousness we call life? Now, the perceptual frames or the mental models we use to process the world through determined, in large part, our experience of life. If you upgrade how you process information, you upgrade your experience of life. Now, this is something that I do a deep dive in in my signature coaching program, The Aligned Self, where we redesign your self-identity. And if we're going, if we're going to redesign your self-identity, we will also want to upgrade your thinking, how you process information. If you adopt the most appropriate frames of reference for you, you're going to double, triple your intellect. You're going to feel smarter. You're going to create a whole new sense of clarity. So the perceptual frame I want to talk about today is that of effectiveness and utility. And that's going to replace the whole idea of right and wrong. And before I dive into it, I want to share a quote from the poet Rumi. Out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. You see, in the context of right and wrong, it's too limited in our thinking. We have to apply a certain mindset that judges information, judges other people. It's based in the assumption that there is a truth to be had. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I love this idea. There's over 7 billion people on the planet, 7 billion different points of view. No two people have the same brains. No two people have the same truth. There is no one single truth to be had. With 7 billion different perceptions of reality, none of them are true, but they are all valid. Each person's point of view how they see the world, how they live in the world, their self-concept has a certain utility for their life. But as I've mentioned in other podcast episodes, our point of view, our our life, our self-concept, for the most part, is there because of a default acceptance. We've just inherited it. We haven't actually chosen it. But when new information comes in, we tend to process it through our perceptual filter, which is our self-concept and what we know to be true about the world. And we try and fit it into this context of right and wrong, true or false. Try doing this. Rather than doing that, (laughs) think of it in terms of usefulness and effectiveness. You see, most people process information and apply it to their self-concept apply it to their life. Is it true or false? Right or wrong? 
And when you come from the context of effectiveness and utility, it doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter if it's right. It doesn't work. And it may go without saying, but I'll say it anyways, effectiveness and usefulness are determined based on the outcome or the intention that you want to achieve. For instance, in a a couple episodes ago, I talked about fear, fear of success, fear of failure, and how to work around that. And a couple of you have raised your hand. In fact, many of you have raised your hand and said, I have that. I have fear of failure. I have fear of success. And uh, I ask you, is it useful to have that belief? Useful to hang on to that concept? Is it effective given what you're up to in the world? Because some of you are up to really big things. You have a big vision for your life. And because you haven't worked out all the details, thinking forward or moving forward into that big, bright future can sometimes be a little daunting. And it's all based on what you're focusing on. So looking at the aspect fear of success, we can ask, is it effective to hang on to that belief? If it's not effective, it doesn't bring you closer to your outcome, then we drop it and then we ask an alternative question. What would be a more useful perspective to take on? What would be useful in us getting around this this fear, this trepidation? How are we picturing the future? Are we envisioning it in a way that is detrimental to us? Have we worked out all the details? Where is the sticking point? So we start asking some questions about usefulness and utility that brings us closer to our intention. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, depending on when you came into this conversation, when you entered or started listening to the podcast, I am a peak performance coach. I'm a certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming. I've been studying the, the phenomena of hypnosis since I was 13. And both NLP, both neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis are hard-pressed to prove themselves scientifically. In fact, many scientists can't even explain, especially around hypnosis, exactly what trance is and how it works. But as a transformational modality, hypnosis and NLP are effective. They work. In fact, NLP never set out to be truth, never set out to be right. And, you know, there's been plenty of detractors about NLP and plenty of champions for NLP. And the detractors focus on the fact that it's not provable, that a lot of the principles aren't couched in fact. But NLP never set out to to be the truth. It set out to be a system of effective techniques, effective beliefs, effective processes. As a coach, if I'm working with you one-on-one, I don't try and persuade you to think the way I do. I look at your model of the world. I look at how you process things, your belief system, and then I adopt and utilize your beliefs to get you where you want to go. I don't try and retrain your mind. I might introduce a concept or an idea, but by and large, I don't impose my perspective on you. I adjust and use flexibility to enter your model of the world to create a framework that works for you. Because frankly, in the context of a coaching session, I don't have the time to re-educate you or have you look at things exactly from my point of view. I mean, that just may work for me, but you have your own concerns, your own reality, 
that you need to adapt to and utilize for yourself. That mindset, that perspective, I adopted from Milton Erickson, who was the pioneer in therapeutic and medical hypnosis. This gets results much, much faster, and I never encounter a client that I cannot work with. You'll find many therapists, many coaches, many teachers will talk about resistant clients. They'll say things like, well, they just don't want to learn, or they don't want to change. They don't want to transform. They don't want to heal. But the fact of the matter is that coach or that teacher, that therapist, is just not flexible enough to adopt and adapt to the other person's, the client's point of view. They're trying to force their model, their method on the client. And it's not always effective. Sometimes people will balk at that because they have to change their entire point of view, their entire their entire view of the world. But an effective teacher can teach any student. They can reach any student. An effective coach or an effective therapist can transform or make a difference for any client. And that's why you'll hear me say from time to time, there is no person on the planet that I cannot induce trance in. That's because I have many more tools in my toolbox than you have to resist trance. I also have the mindset that trance is a very naturalistic state and that people go in and out of trance all the time. So it's not a matter of whether or not you can go into trance, but which trance are you in? Well, I didn't plan on going here, but that I just introduced you to another perceptual frame, another mental model. And that is one of option thinking, creating options, many more options, being flexible in your approach in order to overcome resistance, overcome obstacles. This comes from the context or the law of requisite variety. And that essentially means that in biology, the organism or the species with the greatest amount of flexibility or options in adapting to a changing environment will prevail in a changing world. If an organism or species cannot adapt, cannot incorporate new options in their behavior, in how they interact with the world, they become extinct. Now, option thinking or flexible thinking, compared to effectiveness and utility, they go hand in hand, but they are distinctly different. They're separate distinctions. And a lot of these perceptual frames, these mental models, they are close cousins, and they can be used almost interchangeably, yet they are, there are subtle differences that make profound differences. They set the context, and the context by which you look at things through is decisive. Here's an illustration. I was talking with a parent about a, a, a father, about his daughter, and he made the reference that his daughter is just too stubborn for her own good. She will not listen. And he was thinking of it in the context of right or wrong, like she shouldn't be that way. She's not, she's not fun to be around because she doesn't listen. She does her own thing. And I said, I said, change the context. I reframed it, put a different frame around it. I said, you must be really proud of your parenting to raise a child that stubborn. He said, what? I said, when she's out on a date, when she's in a car with a boy, that wants to go farther than she is comfortable with, she will not put up with it. She will have a hard boundary. 
And thank goodness she knows her own mind and she will not suffer a fool in order to just to fit in or go along with somebody else's agenda. You must be proud of her. And he said, uh, yeah, I guess when you look at it that way, it is a good thing. It's just hard to live with. And the, the reason it's hard to live with is because he's trying to impose his point of view. He's not being flexible enough. He's not probably asking her, what does she want? or including her in the plans or in the process of achieving what they both want. Well, before I bring this episode to a close, I want to share a story, one of my favorite stories of all time. And it's about the fact that there is no right or wrong, good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And that is the context that we apply, the frame that we apply. So the story takes place in feudal Japan, the 16th century, And so the people's lives were a bit more primitive than we're used to now. In this village, there was a farmer that had an able-bodied son and a horse. And he was considered by all his friends and neighbors, all the people of the town, to be one of the most fortunate and richest people in the region. Only because he had a plow and he had a horse and a son to plow the fields, to work the fields. Well, one day... The horse ran away, and all his friends and neighbors exclaimed, Oh my God, how unfortunate, how terrible for you. And the only thing that the farmer would say is, Well, maybe. Well, five days later, that pony came back, that horse came back and had with it five wild horses. And all the people in the town said, Oh my gosh, how fortunate. You had one horse before, now you have six. You are definitely the most fortunate man in the region. And the only thing the farmer could say is, Well, maybe. A few days later, the eldest son is breaking in the horses and is thrown and breaks his arm. Now he cannot work in the fields. All his friends and neighbors, the people in the town, say, Oh my gosh, how terrible, how unfortunate for you, how bad news this is. And the only thing the farmer could say is, Well, maybe. And as the story goes, later in the week, the militia comes and starts gathering up all the able-bodied young men to fight in the skirmish or the war for the shogun. And his son is spared because he's got a broken wing. And all his friends and neighbors say, oh my gosh, how fortunate your son is spared. He'll, he'll live to work in your fields, live to see another day. And the farmer said, well, maybe. You see, the farmer knew that there is no such thing as good or bad. But the, when you look at it from a particular point of view, look at it from a particular frame, it determines whether or not it works or it doesn't work whether it seems like it's a good or favorable outcome or an unfavorable outcome. One last word about effectiveness in utility. See, from the context of intuition, sometimes actions, sometimes inspiration, urgings coming from your intuitive guidance do not seem to be effective or utilitarian on the front end of the perception Sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty. You can look back and, and look and say, that was the most effective path to take. But I would have never known it on the front end. I was intuitively guided. So the perceptual frame of effectiveness in utility is only something to try on, something to look through. It's not meant to be a rule or a law of the land. 
It's one of those perceptual frames that gives you more flexibility in your approach, more flexibility in adapting to changing situations. But it is far superior than judging something good or bad, in my opinion. Well, that's it for this 5-Minute Friday. Originally started out as a 5-Minute Friday. I just changed it into a, a weekday episode because I went far longer than 5 minutes. So this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. <laughs>